<laughs> oh, we broke a record. I started laughing before we even started recording. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I'm ready. I'm ready. Hello, I'm Anna Bukitska. And I'm Clarice Lockery. And this is the Next Supremes, an American Horror Story Rewatch podcast. In this episode, Dandy goes to therapy. (laughs) Get therapy, Dandy. And Elsa and Ethel's relationship comes to a head. Oh, I see what you did there. (laughs) Very clever. Very clever. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Today's episode is titled Bloodbath and was written by co-creator Ryan Murphy. We get the full Murphy treatment today and directed by Bradley Booker, a long-time collaborator of the AHS expanded televisual universe. I love it. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Shall we talk about Elsa and Ethel's confrontation first? Yes. Um, (laughs) I'm re-watching this. I am hating Elsa a lot more than I have on previous watches. I think it's Ethel's honest, heartfelt heartbreak in Elsa that mm. that did it for me. And just this boo-hooing. Like, she caused all of this. She's like the author of all her pain. <laughs> Wait, isn't that, what is that from Bond or something? I'm sorry. <laughs> she, yeah, she's like, she is the one who created this shit show. She's responsible yes. for everything. And now she, what, she has to be the center of attention because she treated Mapetite like a water bottle. Mm-hmm. So sometimes, somehow, she feels like she has ownership over a human being and gets to grieve her the most. Like, gross. Yeah. Get over yourself. And it's, it's kind of offset because Ethel did believe her for so long, and she defended her, and she stood by her, and she totally was her accomplice and friend in so many ways and it's it's Mapetite's death that um that makes her realize that she never really gave a shit about any of them which which in itself is like oh my god i do you know what i've completely forgotten in rewatching this just how tragic the season is and ethel mm. and her constant heartbreak is such a big part of it. Yeah, and, and it feels... It, this really feels like emotional abuse. Yeah. That that Elsa has for so long manipulated all these people into thinking, I am your saviour, I am your mother, like, mm. I am everything, you're going to exclude yourself from, you know, all of society. It's kind of like a cult, you know? Yeah. Shut yourself off from the world, only give me affection. 
And like that's and and so Ethel is experiencing the the come down from that and the realization that she's been manipulated. I think that that's what I find really sad about it. Mm. Yeah. Is yeah coming out and realizing that like no the the person you thought the line that really broke my heart was when she's talking about um the fact that she she felt sorry um. A woman shouldn't dread spending time with her best friend. Yes. It's emotional abuse, toxic. Yeah. Cut her out, Ethel. And to be to give a lot of kudos to the season, um, we get a lot of kind of poppy, positive representations of female friendship, uh different ages, all of that. But I find it fascinating when like shows or movies go in depth on the toxicity sometimes that exists in these dynamics as well and there's not really there's not really a good name for it and it's something that is quite hard to see because it's not you know we're quite used to i think seeing stories of unfortunately quite used to seeing like stories of abusive romantic relationships but somehow it's so much more heartbreaking when it's when it's two friends. It's that there's an interesting thing with abuse and how we talk about and process abuse in society that we have a very limited view of it. We have such a narrow view of who abuses who and in what ways. Mm-hmm. And so I think because societally we don't ever talk about abuse occurring in a non-romantic context and like a friend context it means that you know individuals literally don't have the tools to recognize what's happening to them because mm. it's that kind of thing that you know, when you you're living and you're growing up and you realize you know you know when you realize long after the fact that oh that thing that happened to me wasn't okay but at the time you had no concept you had like no concept that yeah. that it wasn't normal yeah Absolutely. And to go back to Elsa and and Ethel, one of the, well, you know, one of the moments where Ethel realizes just how the the, the fact that her best friend really is is an image that Elsa had created, like everything about Elsa is built to manipulate those around her. And to mm. pander to her own ego is the fact that well she, she she fucking shoots her, but she shoots her in the leg, and obviously she's got um prosthetic le- prosthetic limbs, and she didn't she didn't know. And then yeah, it's like one of those one of those moments where I think it it literally puts the nail in in the coffin of that relationship, where she, Elsa has been hiding a key part of something that would potentially you know connect them even more she has been hiding it in order to have the the upper hand over her quote-unquote best friend yeah like when you're best friends you know it's like we don't have the expectation that when you sort of meet somebody you have to be like here are all aspects of my personality and everything that's happened to it you know it's kind of your your right to disclose when you want but when it's literally your best friend it probably should have come up by now because if you can't tell your best friend who are you telling 
Oh, I'm sorry. You don't have like a, a Bible about all the things that have happened to you and what your personality is like that you give to people that you become friends with? Is that not a thing that people do? Have I been doing it wrong? Oh, sorry. You mean my trauma flashcards? Yeah. I every time I meet you, I'm like, look, here it is. Yeah, here's everything. Yes. Just make sure you memorize everything that's labeled triggering. It's very important. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that one would be great. That I would mean, be great because it would avoid a lot of conversations. If you're just like the second you meet somebody, you write down everything that's like traumatic and triggering to you, and every like thing that you want to avoid talking about, you just put it on a card, you hand it to somebody. The person sits down, reads the card, knows not <laughs> knows how to talk to you. So, issues avoided. I mean, clearly, some my trauma flashcards got lost in your inbox Clarice <laughs> I'm so sorry I'm gonna, I'll look in my spam folder <laughs> oh my god that is, that is not okay for me that's one of my trigger points I don't want to get a spam oh no. <laughs> but you know to uh, lighten up this confrontation between two best friends slash frenemies we get a flashback to how Elsa lost her legs and who helped her? A certain Massimo Dolcefino. Massimo! <laughs> <laughs> oh, Your fave is back. He's back. Yeah, Danny Houston in the house. <laughs> so this is a fun trivia fact. Mm -hmm. um, from my understanding, he actually plays two roles in this episode. So he plays Massimo, yeah. and and he also plays Doctor Finebloom, who's Dandy's therapist, right? Wait, that's also him. That's what the wiki says. <gasps> <laughs> Good for Dandy. <laughs> I could see him playing a therapist to Dandy. I could see him being my therapist. <laughs> <laughs> I just vote up Danny Houston every weekend and I tell him what's happened in my life. <laughs> I don't I don't think the work for that is therapist. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. What do you uh, what do you make about Elsa's um, story? I well <laughs> this is the thing. I mean that her her pain and her trauma related to this in incident is totally understandable. <laughs> I think by this point in the story, though, I feel like emotionally I'm done with her. Yeah, you know, because this is the thing. It's it's like it's the thing with trauma. It's like we have different ways of processing it. And and there are simply just ways where people process trauma in a really damaging way, and then it starts to hurt other people, and that's when it becomes like a capital P problem, which is what has occurred here today <laughs> with Ms. Elsa and Ms. Ethel. <laughs> and that's why she got shot, so, <laughs> you know, maybe don't do that. <laughs> Should we finish off Ethan and Elsa's storyline? Yes. So, should we call it an altercation or just plain old murder? 
knifey knifey in the eye. <laughs> Oops. It's okay. I have to admit, even though I don't approve of it, it was a real baller move what Elsa did. Yeah. And I guess, like, Ethel was about to shoot her. So, yeah. Understandable in the moment that she would retaliate and th- throwing knife in the eye her. Knifey, <laughs> <laughs> knifey, stabby, stabby. Knifey, knifey. But then she essentially fakes Ethel's suicide. In. I don't. I know I made the joke in the, in the outline, but I don't... What? Where does she take the head off? It doesn't make any sense and it's really unnecessary. And yeah. I feel like this is a Stanley thing. I because do think it's a Stanley thing, yeah. I know I said in the last episode that he's really smart, but sometimes he's too smart and it gets dumb. <laughs> Because he's like, let me create this elaborate situation where she is driving her car and she puts a chain around her neck and attaches it to the tree. And then it's like the mechanics of that don't even work. Like, she had a knife in her eye. Just say she put a knife in her eye and be like, that's sad. Yeah. And to also- be blood. Sorry, that's really morbid. <laughs> it is <laughs> but- morbid, but also, like, to your point... Stanley's greed, I think, overpowers his intelligence because, like, obviously people are going to be like, where is her head? Like, where is it? Because is he taking the head to the museum? Well, I, I, we're not given that through the episode, but it's the only possible thing. Like, he's selling the body parts of the freaks that are quote-unquote freakish. Elsa was a, was a was a woman with a beard so he sold her head this is the kind of strange thing about ethel is that like a lot of women have facial hair yeah (laughs) like it's not it's not really some you know because the point of the american morbidity it's like things that are quite unusual and don't occur very much in the human population so it's like oh this pretty normal this person who has this pretty normal thing that happens to a lot of people <laughs> yeah but i guess also in that in that sense the bearded lady has been like quite a a, a, a standout like famous attraction of these uh, this yeah. tradition of american sort of like freak shows so it it makes sense that it would be like that would be considered weird at that time even though it's not that strange or uncommon yeah i think that's i think it's just it's when it gets to him one if he's wanting it for the museum then it's a bit like but i don't know (laughs) i don't know i'm trying not to say anything ableist or anything (laughs) well what points i don't know it's just it's just an interesting thing because it is very much about the attitudes of the time Mm. of what would have been because i guess like the majority of women who had facial hair at the time would have just shaved it off, not said a word to anybody, like gone to great lengths to cover up the fact that they had any facial hair. And on on that note, 
on that weird yeah this please is, shut me up this is this is a weird <laughs> i'm segue. very tired <laughs> <laughs> this is a weird segue but you know forgive me on the unwanted facial foliage note shall we move on to what <laughs> where is this going <laughs> Penny's dad who gets turned oh, into a chicken man. That's he where it's does going. get turned into a chicken man. I was trying to use alliteration. It's like facial foliage. It, w- it didn't work. I think it landed badly. But you know what I mean. Yes. Feathers. Yeah. So they have the funeral. They have the funeral for Ethel, yeah. Yeah, Jimmy's talking about Emily Dickinson, which I just want to say one thing about Emily Dickinson. <laughs> Ruined forever by TikTok that I saw that the the rhyming pattern she uses fits perfectly with the Pokemon theme tune. Yes, I saw that as well. <laughs> and now just forever ruined. So uh, when he was reciting it in my head, I was like singing. <laughs> I want to be the very best. Um, and then so then after the funeral, the ladies have a little like, you know girl time <laughs> you know when you get with the gals and you're yeah. like let's go tarred feather a guy <laughs> you know when that happens i know exactly when that happens i have a, a monthly feather and tar club yeah and you just decide man of the month to tar and feather yeah i mean basically almost any man in a dating app <laughs> <laughs> imagine if you were on hinge and it was like what are you looking for <laughs> <laughs> a man to tar and feather and you know what lead I- through the village <laughs> on a rope. <laughs> you know what? I might do that. And also I'd probably get more matches. That's true. People would be curious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it's more of a Bumble vibe, but I can try them both. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Go <come> on. <laughs> My like dating revenge fantasies. <laughs> I love that. Like I'm not, I'm not on dating apps because the whole thing. I don't know how to describe myself, so I can't even set up the profile. But if I did set up a profile, I would put something like that <laughs> because the kind of person I want to attract is someone who's just going to see something real weird and mm. go, "I want to find out more." <laughs> I think that's perfect. Also, please stay away from dating apps. You are way too nice a person to be on dating apps. I am dead inside and I still <laughs> like get traumatized okay. by them every day. What if I get Bumble and my profile just says, looking for a rat king? <laughs> well, it's like that girl on TikTok who pretends to be a possum on dating apps. <laughs> Did I send you that one? <laughs> that sounds amazing. I kind of want to do that. And everyone who messages me, I'm like, do you have a rat king? Do you have access to a rat king? I would like to see the rat king. Can you show me a picture of the rat king? No, that's your penis guy. I would like to see a picture of the rat king. Many rats tied together. That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> Anyways. is working i might do that i just send you the screenshot because you know they're gonna send a picture of their penis and you have to be like i was no i meant literally a rat king it's like that is just one rat's tail i need a rat king situation this is not a king many many rats (laughs) what if they what if they ask how many rats well there's no limit oh 
I mean, yeah. as many rabbit, <laughs> as many rats as your mind can comprehend, <laughs> tied together by the tail. So, Penny's dad. <laughs> yeah, who's not a rat king? Doesn't have a rat king. No, but he does become the chicken man. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What I find annoying about. This. I think I'm just because I'm irritated today, so I'm getting very annoyed at this episode. The episode's great. <laughs> Is Esmeralda. AKA Maggie. Uh, yeah. Maggie. Sorry, I don't know why I called her Esmeralda. Because that's Maggie. what she calls herself. <laughs> I know, but it's fake. Yeah. Um, Maggie coming in. So Penny's dad, tarred and feathered. Uh, the tar is hot, so he has been extremely burnt. Crispified, yes. Yeah, that's long-lasting damage. She walks in being like, don't you dare murder him. If you murder him, you're going to go to prison and it's going to ruin your life. Maggie, they already tarred and feathered him. Like, they're already going to prison. You might as well kill him now and at least hopefully you won't be found out. Like, Maggie, you came in 15 minutes too late for this conversation. shut up, Maggie. Oh, Maggie. Maggie's such a fucking downer. Make make Emma just say the funny bitchy lines. This is not yeah. the character for her. It's just not a it's not a fun character and I just feel like it's not it's such a waste of her talent because she could do so much more than be yeah. this like <laughs> walking bread loaf of a woman. <laughs> <laughs> Because after that, she goes up to Jimmy and she's like, oh, Jimmy, you're not, why aren't you being a leader? Why aren't you being a man? It's like, his mother just died. (laughs) Why are you just walking around the freak show, like, nagging people? (laughs) It's really, just mind your own business. What do you make of the, the freak women, that's how they call themselves, like the freak women alliance, in a way? It's like a... It's like a little moment of like, I hate this term, but girl power? It's like the scene in Endgame. (laughs) The women. (laughs) When they're trying to get the infinity, the power, the infinity glove, whatever it's called. Yeah. And it's like, from across an entire battlefield, (laughs) every woman just looks at each other and goes, oh, let's just, let's all meet. (laughs) let's all get let's all just join up and we'll we'll do the thing we'll get the the glove um and then they all stand together for a bit but then brie larson who is just the most powerful one takes it and just takes care of it so it wasn't really an empowering moment you all just watched one woman do something i'm sorry that was a segue about how i don't like that scene in endgame <laughs> it's like the spice girl someone you know Mel C was doing all the work, but they still all had to pose for the picture. She was the Captain Marvel of the Spice Girls. I see that now. <laughs> Everybody thought it was Baby. It was not Baby. It was Mel C. No, no, no. Baby was the the wasp. <laughs> no, that was Posh. Posh was the wasp. Right? Baby was the the man- mantis. <laughs> I'm trying to just name female superheroes now. <laughs> <laughs> the whatever Gwyneth Paltrow's character was. Oh, rescue Lady Iron Lady Iron Man. I think she's called Rescue when she put that suit on. Is she? 
Because hmm. she's a lady, gotta rescue the men, because they're babies. <laughs> so, we've kept the best for last, though. With yes. Dandy going to Dr. Danny Houston's therapy. Yeah. Uh... Can we discuss Dandy as a patient? Um, <laughs> what well, I just—it's just very funny it's that he's like they're doing the the cards with the ink splodges on it, and he's yeah. like, "It's a woman getting her arm chopped off. <laughs> it's like ribs open, bloods everywhere, organs, and this is all happening." And every time the therapist and Mrs. Mart are talking, it's like. No, no, no! I wouldn't dream of like having him institutionalized. Mm. He's fine. He's just spirited, <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like phone the police. <laughs> yeah, like we get we get some fun flashbacks of Dandy as a little kid killing cats, killing kids. Yeah, yeah. Doing doing some off screen murdering, <laughs> but then everything. I I think this this is an important episode for Dandy. I'd say because this is where he goes full Norman Bates, and he kills his mother, and kind of embraces his bloodlust, literally. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie, it worked for me. Not in that way, okay? okay. Stop thinking about the X-Men. I mean, as a character, as a ca- character right. development-wise, absolutely character yes. development-wise only. You, what? I, there's a great moment where he's with the therapist, and so they've done the ink splodges, and he goes, "What's my score?" Because you're testing my genius. And when yeah. he starts talking about the the bathing in blood, he goes on this long this long speech about he read in the National Geographic about Papua New Guinea and, and mm-hmm. some tribal thing that was happening, and it ri- reminded me so much of Hugh McGregor's character in Birds of Prey. Oh. You know when he's leading yeah. Black Canary around going, oh, this was one from when I was even better than the Umgabo tribe. Yes. <laughs> and it's this sort of like very white man, faux intellectualism, colonialist attitude. And they're just really interesting small character moments for both mm. of them that I, f- I feel like they're very, very illuminating. Yeah. And I think like, him killing his mother is important for him to just fully stop pretending but also like not even have anyone as a barrier for him to go on a on essentially a a murder spree Mm. and fully embrace that kind of murderous part of him because he like all of that yapping and nagging and crying and, and babying has led to him being this like horrendous creature but he was never like every even every time we talked about dandy it was always like he's not really that scary because he's so pathetic he's such a a, you know an underdeveloped little boy yeah and this is the episode where he goes well alrighty then i will kill you 
straight up. And now I'm, you know, entirely myself. And myself is a sociopathic murderer. And there's also this element where he he very much blames her for the man that he's become today. Hmm. Because he points out that she married her second cousin and the second cousin was a murderer as well. Hmm. <laughs> um Yeah, which is 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 kind of is kind of an interesting thing because it it allows he has some level of self awareness. Hmm. You know, he has some level of self awareness that like this is something that my brain is doing. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like he knows that it is, he knows that it's not normal. He knows that it's something morally wrong, and it's. But he also knows that it's something inherited, like inside of his brain, that is just making him not process things in mm-hmm. a good and healthy way. <laughs> and I love the we we end the episode with this like you can you can tell you can tell by these moments the episodes that were written by mr murphy because it's such a ryan murphy thing (laughs) where dandy literally kills his own mother fills his like like beautiful bathtub with her actual blood and there is a this is what i texted you (laughs) There's a close-up shot of his butt as he takes off his satin robe and he just goes into the bath of blood. <laughs> That's very Ryan Murphy. It has that true. perfect balance between like <laughs> the objectification of a murderer. <laughs> yes. Norman Bates, but make him hot. Are we saying that Norman Bates... Anthony Perkins was hot. I think he was hot, but you know, did we get a close-up of his butt? No, we did this not. This is true. <laughs> <laughs> Hitchcock was not like, yeah, <laughs> Anthony Buckets. Buckets. Oh my god! Trail. Oh my god! His ghost is gonna come and haunt you oh, tonight. No, 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 no! I'm throwing away my shower curtain. I'm throwing away my shower curtain. What did you say? <laughs> no, no, no! I, I love, I love Anthony Perkins as an actor. I really like what his son is doing with horror films as well. Oz Perkins, amazing director. Please don't haunt me. We love Anthony Perkins. Cool, dude. <laughs> so, any final thoughts about Dandy but blood mod? Um, you okay, hun? <laughs> <laughs> no, clearly not. No. No. He's, um... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess one quick thing to mention is Regina turns up because yes. her her mother is still no sign of her, and <clears throat> Mrs. Mott has made up again some ridiculous excuse about squash. She's gone to get squash because it's it's Chris. It's also Christmas for some reason. It's Christmas. <laughs> this this is the Christmas episode, the one where a man bathes in a bathtub of blood. Is the Christmas episode very Christmassy, in my opinion? Oh yeah. I mean, you know, imagine we, it's cranberry juice. We need to discuss um, Dandy's Christmas outfit. That's how we know it's Christmas. Oh, he was wearing like a little red, <laughs> red situation. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, that was very cute. <laughs> Still a murderer. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you can enjoy the fit. 
I'm not enjoying the person inside of it. <laughs> and I guess the only other thing that we haven't talked about is um, Irma Wiggles. Oh yeah, Emma? Barbara, 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 Barbara. Um, yeah, gets recruited by Elsa. Elsa's back on the prowl looking for more people to more vulnerable people to bring into the fold and abuse for years <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and so she she centers on a, a woman who's like overweight but her, comes from a very rich family so they all like are desperately trying to get her to to lose weight and send her to this weird health club where they put her on the 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 vibrating band thing what is that called it's it looks like one of those things that you would get sold through like the online the TV shopping network and be like you can mm. lose weight and make, do abs without actually doing any ab work. You can be watching TV and you will lose weight. <laughs> <laughs> but they were incredibly popular during the 50s. I people were extremely convinced that it was a good way to lose weight and I kind of want one. <laughs> Just seems like it'd be nice. Yeah, that's it. I like the idea of the band because it seems like it'd be quite soothing. Yeah, that just get I your do butt see. juggled. <laughs> <laughs> just jiggle your butt for a bit. Just relax. Be nice. <laughs> Is that what you would say to um, Massimo Del Chapino? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I'd say it in Italian, which I don't speak, but I'm figure it out. So, shall we move on to our categories? Yes. What was your top quote of the episode? Uh, <laughs> Elsa says, although for me, death would be preferable to Tampa. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with Tampa? I've never been. Seems nice. What's yours? I think it's Desiree. I think this is Desiree who says this, where she leaves Dell, and she just goes, "You're nothing but a load of wind." Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna write that down for the next time I dump someone. <laughs> You're nothing but a load of wind. You're a big fart. You're a, the a, just a fart, man. I love it. What about the Bomer Boner Award for the horniest moment of the episode? The I uh, it's the bloodbath, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's dandy and dandy. It's dandy feeling himself. That's what it is. Yeah, playing that Beyonce song while he's doing it, probably. <laughs> Self care is bathing in a bathtub full of your mother's blood. Yeah. You know, you do what works for you. Yes. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> and what about big feels for big drama? Um, I get probably that Ethel, that scene of Ethel with mm. the a woman shouldn't dread spending time with a best friend was a very good line, very well delivered. Mm. Absolutely agree. Do you have a different one? No, I think I think that's it. It's the performance. It's the delivery. There's no Pulsing v. Pulsing because they're not in this episode. 
And they're still in the mirror, and she's just still being a real bitch to her sister. <laughs> I'm the prettiest by far. <laughs> but what about cinematic references in this week's episode? Okay. I don't know if this is bad that I thought this. But uh, let me just say it out loud. Okay. <laughs> you can react to it. Okay. Massimo. Yes. <laughs> Um, Massimo, because he's, he's making, he's making, <laughs> excuse me, <laughs> um, <laughs> excuse me, um, Massimo, because he's make he's making wooden body, limbs, body yeah. parts, and he's Italian. Yeah. <gasps> Pinocchio? You thought of Pinocchio? <laughs> oh my is god! Is that really bad that I thought of that? Because I was like, I was just thinking, why is he? Why is he Italian? I did not think of that at all. I love it because I thought it was like, oh, it's the creation of life through woodwork because she he gives her this mm-hmm. this gift of like, yeah, basically new legs. Yes, with little wooden toes. It's very cute. Yeah, it's very nice. I don't, yeah. I don't think that at all. The only one that I caught was, well, the the chicken man is a reference to Todd Browning's Freaks. Yes. The the whole film is a massive reference uh, for the season in general, but that's like very specifically when they're done with him. He looks almost exactly like the Chicken Man from Freaks. Hmm. But you know, a lot more gruesome and graphic and in full color. <laughs> that is more logical than Pinocchio. <laughs> I like the Pinocchio one because that was not obvious to me at all. <laughs> what about insensitive historical references this week? Did you pick up on any? There are a couple. Ooh. Um, but the one I would like to highlight, uh-huh. just for personal reasons, is that Ethel serves Elsa mock turtle soup, okay, which was created in the mid 18th century as a cheaper imitation of actual green turtle soup, and it was mostly brains and organ meats, <laughs> such as a calf's head or a calf's foot, to duplicate the texture and flavor of turtle. <laughs> And and uh, the Campbell Soup Company produced and canned mock turtle, mock turtle soup made of calves' head. And in a 1962 interview with David Borden, Andy Warhol, commenting on Campbell's discontinued soups, said that mock turtle had once been his favorite. But the reason I wanted to highlight the mock turtle soup is that it was the inspiration for one of my favorite characters in the book Alice in Wonderland, the mock turtle. Who's a little cat's head on a turtle body, and he's really sad. He's really sad. He's a sad little guy. Your mind is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) I just really like the mock turtle. I love it! The reason for this is, I mean, he's great in the book, but also there was a 1999 TV adaptation of Alice in Wonderland. Mm -hmm which starred Gene Wilder as the Mock Turtle. And it was Gene Wilder's head on a little turtle body. (laughs) (laughs) 
And he sings the song about soup, and it's so pretty, beautiful soup, so dee-dee-dee-dee, and he's sitting on the edge of the soup cauldron, <gasps> and the griffin is stirring the soup, and it's just a really treasured like childhood memory of mine. <laughs> I have just googled this, and I have the image of Gene Wilder dressed as a turtle. It, no, he's not dressed, yeah, he's like, oh yeah, he's like in he's, a- He's in a turtle, a turtle suit. In a turtle soup, yeah. yeah. I see it. It's beautiful. That's so cute. It's great, and he's cute in the book as well, because it is just a little cow head on a turtle body, and it's very cute, and he's sad. Cute little guy. So, to round up, who would you say is the MVP of the episode? Probably Dandy, let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> he does... Well... Independent now. Getting away he with it. all his dreams come true. <laughs> He's living his best life. He's prioritizing himself. Yeah. He set a goal. He achieved the goal. And he did and it in now style. He just gets to enjoy being a murderer. Bathing <laughs> in his mummy's blood. So... On that note, what can we expect from the next episode? Um, well, he's going to have to get out of that bathtub eventually. Oh, yeah, and I will be watching. Jail, 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 jail. In the next episode, Jimmy and Dandy go off the rails in different ways. I'm going to guess Jimmy doesn't bathe in blood. I was going to say, on each other? Oh, no. <laughs> go off the rails and rail on to each other. <laughs> it's a full circuit. We should rebrand We should rebrand this just as the Thirsty Supremes, because this is getting... <laughs> <laughs> it's becoming a problem. <laughs> We'll be back next Wednesday with a recap of American Horror Story Freak Show. In the meantime, send us your thoughts on Twitter. Follow us at the Next Supremes Pod. Also, I'm at Clarice Lou. I am at Anna B. Demented. I swear to God, I'm a professional. <laughs> <laughs> Please, if you're anyone involved in the industry, stop listening. Delete the podcast. <laughs> Walk away, put down the iPhone and walk away. <laughs> this is what happens when Thirst Aid Kit doesn't exist anymore. Like, it has to come out somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I miss that podcast. <laughs> Which is like a really weird, specific version of it, where it's just for one TV show where all the characters are murderers. <laughs> but really hot murderers. Hot murderers. Oh my god, wait till we get to season five. Oh lordy. <laughs> It's gonna be real bad, guys. Enough. This I uh, this new season's probably just gonna be like <laughs> sexy hot mermaids murdering people. <laughs> My career's over, if that's the case. Uh -oh. <laughs> it will be worth it.